just out of this whole series, I was thinking about this morning, if you could get one thing, one thing that turns your marriage or your family one degree or two degrees, you will have accomplished a great feat. Sometimes we think that we're going to take the message and, you know, point by point, by point, do everything. But if you can just get a couple of things, institute them into your life, into your family, things will change. So today I want to talk to you about intimacy. And uh, if, you, if you didn't put your kids in the children's ministry, uh, we've got earplugs in the lobby area. No, not really. It's not going to be one of those messages. I don't preach those messages, you know. But I will tell you this, that when it comes to warfare, because we are in a war, everything biblical is and has always been under assault. God himself has been under assault from the very beginning. The prophets of old, I mean, look, Jeremiah is one of them. Look, he went through a lot of trouble, a lot of problems, a lot of assaults. And then when we get to Jesus, we realize that, you know, unfaithful, humanistic people just crucified him. And then the family. The family's biblical. The family is biblical and the family is under assault right now, right here, right now, right this very moment. Don't think that the family, as God has created it, is not under assault. So I want to read out of the book of John chapter 3 to begin this because we just finished singing a song about this very thing. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light for their deeds, their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear, their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So there's this light and this darkness and darkness continually presses against light. It's, it's, it's the way it is. It's always been that way. Romans chapter 1 talks about that a lot. One verse, verse 30, says they, evil people, they invent ways of doing evil. It's amazing how men and women disconnected from God have a seemingly an agenda to somehow or another invent new ways. We're dealing with things in this generation, that two or three generations ago, people didn't know it existed. And we're dealing with that now. And Isaiah 59, and we're, we're, we're reading scripture that was written thousands of years ago. Isaiah 59 verse 14 says, justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. What Isaiah is saying is these things have all turned around. And if you want to do good and do what is righteous and follow God, you're going to become a prey out there. That which is right seems wrong now. And that which is wrong is stamped as right. 
John chapter 10, Jesus kind of sums it up when he says the thief, and the thief is anybody or anything that's antichrist. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. So because the family is, is at war, because we, whether we know it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you want to realize it or not, whether you are playing ostrich and sticking your head in a hole in the ground, none of that changes the fact that the family is under attack. And so because of that, I want to share maybe a, a couple of three factors or three common assaults on your family and on the family in general. The first is at the forefront of our society right now, and that is sexual perversion. Now, perversion, sometimes when we use that word, it's just like, and we go, pervert, pervert, pervert. But really, perversion just simply means deviating from the original design. Just means a deviation, turning away, creating something different. You see, God's design is this. God's design is heterosexual. That's God's design. But the perverted design is homosexual. That which deviates from the original design. And then there is male and female. That's the way God created people. In the beginning, God created male and female. But today... People are questioning whether or not I'm a boy or a girl. There's even scientific data now that's kind of debunking that idea that, you know, I'm a boy, but I think I'm a girl. Then there's men are to be men and women are to be women, but we fought role reversals in a tremendous way. And I'm not necessarily talking about Role reversal that your wife cuts the grass. That's not what I'm talking about. Although it would be good. (laughs) Amen. Somebody's listening. It would be good. I've been mowing the same lawn for 27 years. It needs to be mown right now. Honey, maybe. No, okay. Men are to be men and women are to be women, but today we're saying one sex. And then there's this thing of marriage where God says that a man is to leave his mother and a father and he's to cleave to his wife and the two shall become one. So God intended for men to marry women. And women to marry men, but today it's same sex. And then there's marital sexual intimacy, which has been set apart for a man and his wife, for a woman and her husband, and God's perfect design is that and never intended to be between people who are not married. It's his design. The perverted design is strange flesh in various forms. 
fornication, you know, I mean, marrying, you know, not married, having sex with somebody, pornography, and all sorts of perverted acts. And all of it is set against to combat what God said in the beginning, and that is he wants us to be fruitful and he wants us to multiply. Within the context of marriage, the family is birth. Now, I know a lot of people have made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of you have made mistakes, and there have been all kind of problems. And God's not pointing his finger at you and saying, bad shaming on you. But he is setting forth his proper design. He does have a will, and he does have a way. And his will and his ways are far above our will and our ways. And, and so we will either embrace God's truth and be blessed, or we will reject his truth and pay consequences. And many are paying consequences today. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to have consequences, I would like for them to be positive that move me forward rather than negative that tear me down and move me backwards. We're pressing forward to the high calling in Jesus Christ. And so Think of sexual sexuality. It's on the front page of every paper. It's everything you turn on the television. It's constant everywhere, everywhere. But for us in the, in the family of God, let's get this thing right. Am I right? We can do that? How many of you church folk think we should get it right? I think we should get it right, right? Okay, good. I just wanted to wake up the old church, the old church thing, you know what I mean? Second thing about an assault on the family is materialism. We live in America. We're in the blessed nation. I love America. I love comfort. I love nice things. I do. You do too. We do. I never, I never knew anybody who said, boy, I want it to be hard and nasty. You know what I mean? And man, I just, man, I would like to live in a tent in the woods. I really would like, that would be really cool. No, we like that. But materialism, and I want to give a definition of it so we understand where we're coming from. It's a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort more than spiritual values. Did you get that? A tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort more than spiritual values. In the book of Mark, Jesus taught us about this. And when he said about the heart, he's talking about the heart. And he says, the heart is like soil. And the word of God is like seed that goes on the soil. And he said, I'm the sower. I'm sowing seed on the hearts of people. And then he gives four different kinds of hearts. And one of them is found in the 18th chapter of Mark 4. He said, others like seed sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. These assaults are set against you to make you unfruitful physically and spiritually. They want to make you barren. Seems like the enemy, the thief, comes to steal our fruitfulness to set up different systems that cause us not to be fruitful, and materialism is one of them. The love of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6 simply puts it this way. For the love of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And I might add many family griefs. Going after money taking jobs we ought to not take so that we can make a little bit more money, 
moving our family in directions that we should not move our family in so that we can make a little bit more money. Getting into things that are not really good for us to try to make more money, to get more things. Because when you get more money, you just get more things. And it is the way it is. And it's not that money is evil because it's not. And so it's okay. We need money. Money makes the world go round. You need money to live. We know that. But the love of this money causes us to get into situations and to get our family in situations that we ought to not be getting into. Akin to love of money is greed. Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the lust of, 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 and the pride of life causing us to, to deviate from God's pattern for our life and that we're greedy for everything. Even though the Lord would teach us to be very, very generous. You know, it's been two great weeks for Northwood Church and many, many other churches actually uh, in our area, all over the nation actually, in helping the flood victims of Louisiana, really in going there and just serving it's been absolutely phenomenal. Over 150 people from Northwood went. We had crews there yesterday. Just tremendous. If you want to combat greed, learn to give. Because greed is an assault on your life and your family. And you have to fight it by doing the opposite. I call it opposite warfare. Instead of greed, be generous. And then God will take care of you and give you other things. Comparison, I think, is another thing, and that is trying to keep up with other families. Folks, listen to us. We're in a great competitive uh, world today, and families are trying to keep up with other families. Years ago, we used to coin it as keeping up with the Joneses, but really now it's keeping up with everybody. The thing about trying to keep up with the family next door or down the block or, or your kinfolk is that the best you will ever attain by trying to be another family is a shadow of that family. That's the best you could ever hope to be. Why don't we just be who we are? Why don't we just love our life and love our families and just say, this is who we are. As a matter of fact, I would exhort you to do that and get your values straight to where when contrary values try to come in through peer pressure of your young people, you can stand with all authority and confidence and say, well, I don't know about that family, but the Dakotas or the Smiths or the Johnsons, we don't do it that way. That's the way I raised my kids because time and time again, it was so-and-so's doing this, so-and-so's got that, so-and-so's going here, they're going there. That family does this. And I said, well, but we, the Dakotas, don't do that. Get off the comparison game and also try to get off of the credit poor game. We're talking, we're talking about materialism because if I, can't, if I don't have the money to get it, I got to get the money to get it. And they just love it. Every day of my life, it seems like I get credit card applications in the mail. Every, every counter I go to, man, it's like I, I think if I go to McDonald's, they can ask me, would you want to put this on your McDonald's credit card? <laughs> we'll give you 5% off. You know why they give you percentages off? I'm going to tell you why the credit card companies give you percentages off. Because they want you to get that card, put that on that card, and they know that 75% of people do not pay their bills properly, and so they nail you for the 18.75% interest. They're not dumb. They're not in the clothing business. They're in the credit business. They're not in the furniture business. They're in the credit business. Sears is a credit card company. And now people are debt credit poor, and that weighs on the family. I want to tell you something. It is better to do without and have peace in your home than to have all the latest gadgets 
and fight and fuss like animals. I'm glad you're clapping because you know what? That doesn't go over very big today. It's like we want the stuff no matter what it costs us. We're going to get in this boat we bought and we're going to go fishing and we're going to have fun. You hear me? The deceitfulness of wealth. Let me tell you about wealth, folks. Usually it's deceitful. And wealth, though it will make you more comfortable, it will never comfort you. Please get it. Now, this is not a poverty mentality, you understand. But to think that wealth will give you what you cannot get anywhere else is deceitful. And that's what happens. It pierces through us and it causes us to fail and it deceives us. It promises much, but it delivers little. It really does. This thing of materialism. And then the third assault on the family today is deception. Deception is just this horrible thing because when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And usually when you're deceived and somebody comes to tell you you're deceived, you get angry at them because you're deceived. I'd rather be sick than deceived. Honestly, I'd rather not have a vehicle than be deceived. At least I'd walk and know where I'm going and who I am. Revelations 12, 9, Jesus says it this way, the great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. The one deceiving, and the word deceiving there means straying from generally accepted practices. That's what deception is. It's a deviation again. It's a moving from the, the, the things that are commonly accepted. Did you know that society, did you know that people have commonly accepted practices. I don't know, your family should have common acceptable practices or behavior. If you don't have that, you need to go ahead and structure that into your family. In other words, this is the way we do this. This is commonly acceptable so that when people get out of it, you can bring them back into it. Lying. There's so much deception today, so much lying. Lying is at an all-time high. I really believe that. I believe it's escalating. I believe that people will lie, and they will lie about things they don't have to lie about. I've been with people who lie when they don't have to lie. I've been with people who, if they told the truth, it was easier than lying, but they lie anyhow. It's, it's hard to lie. you got to make up stuff. you got to be very creative to lie. Kids lie a lot. Did you know kids lie a lot? Did you know your kids lie a lot? Oh, not your kid. I understand. We had a school for 17 years. Kids lie a lot. They lie a lot. They really do. But the Bible says liars have their place in the lake of fire that they'll never get to heaven. Liars. Puts it in the same category as murderers. And then politics. I watch television. And I watch people just lie. As a matter of fact, television's got really good at catching them in their lie because everything is recorded. It's like, I do not believe in this. I believe in this. I did not go there. We had a great time when we went there. I mean, it's just amazing the deception, the deception of the American people. 
Keep voting. But it's all a system, and it all has influence upon our families. Lack of transparency, lack of truth. It's all deception, never being honest. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you were absolutely transparent in your family? Let me ask the parents first. When was the last time you were absolutely transparent with each other? And you just said, Hey, this is me. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Help me. I've got a problem. I don't understand how to do it. When was the last time you had a conversation like that? When was the last time you had a conversation with your children and you were just totally transparent with them? Like giving them the option to be able to speak to you about how you're raising them and what their opinion is without ramifications of being grounded for 500 years. <laughs> when they say the truth, transparency, being honest, but this, everything's cloaked now. Everything's hidden now. Everything is occult now, hidden in darkness. Young people, when was the last time you were transparent with your parents about your digital device? Most of you were in church last Sunday. You saw that guy give that two-minute, 39-second video about locks on the devices. I say it this way. If your kids know more about the digital kingdom than you do, they are already ahead of you. You ought to know their digital devices. Matter of fact, everybody ought to know their digital devices. My wife knows all my passwords. Here's my phone, baby. Here's my computer. Here's my iPad. I preach on Here it is. Because this opens up the entire world to everybody. There needs to be some kind of accountability and some transparency in our relationships if we're going to be healthy and win the battle against these assaults. Amen? Manipulation is all part of this deception. Controlling others with skill, with words and actions, crying to get your way, pouting to get your way, intimidating to get your way, threatening, if you don't, I will. All these things, if you know, you don't. And what happens there, the other person is steeped in fear. Matter of fact, manipulation and intimidation in order to dominate someone is the perfect definition of a witch or a warlock. We have to be open and transparent with one another and stop all of the, the, the manipulating to get something or to go somewhere. You know, like I'm going to get my wife busy with the girl so I can go play golf <laughs> or fish. Intellectualism. You know what intellectualism is? It is the exercise of intellect at the expense of emotions. It is the way it is, unfeeling and non-emotional. I, I, I put this in my notes, and last night, Jan and I were riding around, and she said, you know, there's a new thing going around with, with a lot of youth. It was on television about use, using uh, emoticons for language. Yeah, it's a whole new language, French, Spanish, emoticon, you know what I mean? Emoticon. So, so, and what it is, it's sort of like, yeah, I like you. You're okay. But it's emotionless. 
There's some new strange things coming on, isn't there? And parents, you need to learn that language or else your kids will be speaking a foreign language that you know not of. And you're on the outside of the bubble, rather on the inside influencing. All these things are true. Now, really quick, there are some casualties of these assaults. In other words, things don't just happen. There's not an assault without some kind of casualty. Something that happens in us unless we're able to truly, truly handle this. The perversion, the materialism, <clears throat> the deception, all of it is set in motion to erode the relationships of our families. And it is very successful, folks, unless you are vigilant. You have to be vigilant. Here are some of the, the breakdowns, communication breakdown. I, I'm astonished. We are in the age of the greatest communication instruments there ever was. I'm astonished, but yet I find that communication is getting less and less. Real communication, which is simply this, in the back of my mind, I have a thought. I transfer it into words. I speak it to my wife. She hears the words in her ears. She translates it, and in the back of her mind, she ends up with the same thought I had in the back of my mind. That's real communication, not just talking, talking, talking. You know what I mean? Like, I blah, 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 blah. And you leave him, what do you say? I don't know what he said. I don't know what he said. He's always talking. He's always talking all the time. <laughs> What's he say? I don't know. Drop me crazy. <laughs> Let me gum gum out. But true communication, which by the way, takes a lot of effort, a lot of time. It has to be very deliberate and it doesn't happen too often in most families. Communication. Trust. Trust is intangible. Draw a picture of trust. Can you? What shape is it? How much does it weigh? What does it look like? It's intangible. And it's built over time, but can be destroyed in a moment. When these assaults come, unless we're vigilant, 10 years of trust go down in one action. I've sat with people for years and years now where everything was good and then just the whole relationship slain by one foolish act. And everybody wonders what happened. And then men want to make it better. Okay, kiss it better. We okay? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go play golf now. It's all good. Women do a slow burn. Do you know that's true? I mean, like... He thinks everything's all right. It ain't all right. It's not all right at all. I don't trust you anymore. And then she puts him on a rigorous treadmill of performance until he will prove to her that he is trustworthy. And in the midst of it, he's grind down to nothing. It works both ways. then there's unity. There's transparency. I just talked about that, but there's unity. Now, the thing about unity, folks, is the Lord said, the two shall become one. When people get married, the two shall become one. You know, it's not just talking about the sexual relationship, although it 
is talking about that. But it's the two people becoming one while staying separate. It's amazing. It's like a miracle. You need God to have a good marriage. You need God for two to become one. You need God working in that really, really powerful. You really do. The two, this thing of unity, it, it's, well, you know, when we become one person, when we're two, that's covenant. But so many people become, they, they, they refuse to become one. And so they do the opposite of covenant relationships. And we wonder why it doesn't work. And then we bring children into the mix. And, and here we are, we're not unified. By the way, if you're having marital problems, don't have a baby. Just don't, not now, not this moment. Get yourself fixed. Because I know what you think. You think, we're going to bring that little bundle of joy because you see people on Facebook got these cute, cute little babies. Yeah, they're cute, they're cute. They keep you up all night long. They vomit all over you. They cry on an opportune time. You're trying to have this intimacy with mama, but the babies are crying and you're out on the porch. <laughs> and you don't know how to handle it. And so don't have babies if you got a marital problem. Get your marriage straight and watch what God can do. Now, if this is true then, then I believe the devil's plan, I believe the devil's initial plan is to destroy the currency of our relationship with God and our family and the currency of relationships born on is intimacy. That's what he's out to do. Intimacy is the currency of true relationships. Intimacy with God, intimacy with your spouse, and intimacy with your kids. And I'll tell you right now, that's where the major assault is. So let me spend a few moments on true intimacy. It's a big subject, but let me read this. Intimacy is at the heart of a strong relationship. Intimacy is about knowing someone deeply and being able to be completely free in that person's presence. It is an emotional state that is often reserved for just one person. Ideally, sex in a loving relationship should be the physical embodiment, the physical embodiment of intimacy. That is between a married man and a married woman and really married together. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> to each other. Shouldn't have to say this, but we have to clarify every thought. It's intimacy. I can be real. That's why your relationship with God should be intimate because he knows you through and through. Even the apostle Paul, as great a Christian as a man, he was an apostle in Philippians chapter three, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and to, I want to know the power of his resurrection and I want to participate in his suffering. I want to become like him in death. That's what I want to do. I want to, I want to be like him. I want to be intimate with Christ. And because I'm intimate with Christ, it gives me inroads to be intimate with my spouse and with my children. It helps me to do that. So you want to be intimate with, with the Lord. You want to be intimate with Jesus. You want to be like Jesus. Jesus prayed for us for intimacy. In John 17, he said that, that Father, we got it together, me and you. We are so intimate. And, and these that you've given me, uh, I've kept them. And I want them to be intimate with 
You and I, like you and I, all of us together, one big happy family. That was the prayer of Jesus Christ, that we would be in unity, that we would be unified by this wonderful intimacy, not hiding and playing a game and acting like he's not, not there and putting the Holy Ghost in the, in the side room and doing what we want to do and then bringing him out when we want to bring him out. Being transparent, you gain deep, true intimacy with God by cooperating with the Holy Spirit as he forms the character of Christ in your life. We are in a transformation stage now on this earth, and one day we will be standing before Christ in Christ forever. It's going to be wonderful. Let's start it now. Start the enemies with God now, and then let that bleed over with your spouse. Now, come on, folks. Come on, you who are married. Let's get it together. Come on, you who have been so apathetic, you're laying in that recliner with that sweet tea half drink, leaning over, looking through your eyelids at the boy. Let's get it together. Let's start doing something that reignites the fire. Come on, baby. Light my fire. Light the fire. It might not be a bonfire anymore. I don't know, but light what you got, baby. Come on now. That's, that's for you older folks. Oh, knocked over the table. Shouldn't have said that probably. The table knocked down. You gotta, you're committed to one another, man. Just stay committed. Stay open. Stay real. Don't be afraid to share your weaknesses and your strengths. Be ready to share your victories, but be humble enough to share your defeats because all of us have high points and low points. All of us have weaknesses and strengths. We all do. Man, just let it hang out. There it is. I'm weak here. I don't know. I keep trying. I'm messing up. Children. Listen to me, children. You don't think of yourself this way. I know you don't. But you're a gift from God. You're, you're so powerful, a gift from God. And here you are, you know what I mean? So, so if you're a gift from God, be a good gift. Come on now. I mean, don't be one of those that we open up the can and the, the springy snake jumps out. Let me tell you this. Let me say this to you, you teenagers especially. If you be a good kid, if you honor your mother and father, if you obey them, and if you stretch through life and adolescence on into adulthood, if you'll do that, if you'll just hold to the line, you'll be glad because you're going to be grown up. And that mother and father that you dealt with as a teenager, if you'll do it right, they'll become your best friends. Because parents, you see, we raise our kids up for 18, 19 years. We have 18, 19 years. But then we might have them 30 years as adults. And so we always raised our kids, not with just them that you're a little kid, but that we're raising an adult who now sits around the table with us Cocks back in the easy chair, watches ball games together, sometimes cries together. 
and it's good. Don't derail your future by acting the fool today. There's life after adolescence. And there's a bunch of it, believe me. It's a lot of life. So now, let me close with this. Can I do that? Number one, never be ashamed to have a Christ-centered marriage and family. Do not be ashamed of Christ. For he is the power of God to those who believe. Number two, strive to keep yourself and your family living in the light because darkness can never overpower light. Don't necessarily try to run from darkness. Just brighten up the light. That's all you got to do. I got a little bitty tiny light on the back of my TV in my bedroom. Last night it didn't go off. It stayed on. It's just the tiniest little bitty tiniest light, but the rest of the room is pitch dark. And guess what? That little bitty tiny light it lit up the whole room. So the darker it gets, the brighter the light. And then last, let's commit to doing everything in our power. I mean, folks, everything in our power to live in harmony with God first, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and our family. Now, your family may never be like what was on the bumpers because that was just fun stuff. But your family needs to be more like what was on the bumper. It's the way God intended it. It's the way God wants it to be. And it's the place where God will pour out the most grace. If you'll trust him, he'll make your family a real family. Come on, let's close our eyes together right now, right where you are. Come on. Isn't God good? He's really, really good to us. And while you have your eyes closed there just for a moment, I want you to just think about your family. Now, some of you are married. Some of you are divorced. Some of you have blended families. Some of you are in turmoil. Some of you are single. doesn't matter where you are. You live in a family. You have no human family. You have a spiritual family in the church. As you sit there, I want you to think about it, especially mom and dad, but children also. Where do you stand in this thing? I'm getting ready to agree with you in prayer over your family right now. And I'm believing that the Lord is going to help you tremendously. I believe that when we put our wills together with God's will, and if we'll live according to his principles, learn them and live them, that his grace will always be sufficient and he will prosper everything that our hands touch. Our Father in heaven, you made us male and female. You put us together to have children. And we're thankful for that. Some of us, Lord, have adopted children. We touch the orphans. Others of us, Lord God, have blended families together. Mistakes have been made, but Lord, this is where we are. 
What we're asking, Lord God, is a clean slate today for every family seated in every chair in this auditorium, God. A new start today. Forgiveness to flow. Go ahead and forgive your spouse. Forgive your children. Children, forgive your parents if they've made mistakes. Forgive, Lord God. We forgive, Father. We release and we embrace a new creation, a brand new family. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord God, that you always, always, always reward obedience. We honor you, Father. As we sit here and you still have your eyes closed, we spoke about intimacy today. I want you to get transparent with the Lord. If you're in this room right now and your relationship with God has been injured, maybe you've walked away from Him, or maybe you were like me and never had a relationship at all, God is calling you right now. You've come here for a purpose. God wants to meet you. He's given his son for you. He's made all the provisions. The door is wide open for you to step through. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you're in this room and you need to renew your commitment to Christ or, or maybe start a brand new relationship with him, I want you to get transparent right now. We all have sinned. Everybody's sinned. And as I pray, I want you to agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you forgive all sins. Thank you for forgiving my sins, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for receiving me into your family today. Thank you for giving me a brand new life, God, with new direction and a new destination. Father, would you take this life of mine? I've really not done a, a great job at it. And would you make me a new person? I receive Jesus today. I turn from my sin. Father, I turn to you and I put all of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me. And I'll live for you for the rest of my life, Father. In the name of Jesus. And everybody that believed that said amen and amen. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.